the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, everybody. Ron Geyer back again with more End Time Insights. Exciting day for me. After a several-month hiatus, I am back in the studio. Thank you, Lord. It is so good to be here. And we're just excited to come and talk to you, continue talking to you about the book of Revelation. You know, in our Bible studies that we do in our home groups, uh, we're a bit ahead of where we are. We're still on the seven churches here, but we're ahead. We're in actually chapter six in the book of Revelation. And it is such an exciting time. And, you know, people come up, Ron, why are you teaching the book of Revelation? Aren't we in the church going to be gone? I mean, what is there for me in the book of Revelation as a Christian? And, you know, it's a great question. And yet there is so much in there. You know, all of the promises that the church gets through the Gospels, through the epistles, when Paul is talking about our health and Peter's talking about our salvation You know, Jesus talks about that we can be healed, the healing miracles of Jesus, all those promises. They are so great. But you know, at the end of the day, the book of Revelation is not about making promises. It's all about fulfilling promises. And it's in the book of Revelation that you see all of the promises fulfilled that haven't been fulfilled already on the earth. And that's one of the reasons I love it so much. The wicked, they get judged, unfortunately, for them. The righteous, they get delivered. Hallelujah. It's just a wonderful book, and you need to to study it. You need to learn about what's in the book of Revelation. You know, the mark of the beast. The church is removed from the earth in Revelation chapter 4. And when they're in heaven before the throne of God. And yet we don't learn about the mark of the beast until several chapters after that. And we need to let the world know that there is danger in stuff like that. So that's one of the reasons we teach it. There's just so many reasons, but I'm drifting. We're going to go back to the teaching today on the book of Thyatira. It's the fourth church that Jesus addresses in the book of Revelation. You know, all of these churches, Jesus complimented them. There was only one that he didn't, but he complimented them. These were strong churches. They were doing good things. And yet, and you look in your Bible heading and it'll say, oh, the church at Ephesus, they lost their first love. Yeah, they lost their first love, but they were a great church. They did great things for the kingdom of God. And of course, the church at Smyrna, they say that was the persecuted church. Yes, that was the persecuted church, but that was the church where the heroes went. It was awesome. Then you come to the three church uh, number three, And church number four, church number four being Thyatira, church number three being Pergamos. And they're known as the compromising church. They're known as the corrupt church. And yet Jesus complimented them for the great things that they did. The church at Thyatira, where is it? I've got it right here. Jesus, he complimented them. He says, I know your works. I know your love. I know your service. I know your faith. I know your patience. And then I love you. I know your works again. They were doing a great job for the kingdom of God. And yet 
Jesus found fault with them, and he finds fault with them, not to condemn them. He finds fault with them to correct them so that he can go ahead, remove any cancers, perhaps correct any errors, and get them back on the track where they're bearing much fruit for the kingdom of God. We read last week in verse 23, uh, chapter 2, on the book of the church at Thyatira, where Jesus talked about the fact that I will kill her children. This is Jezebel. She was the wife of the pastor, and she was misleading the troops in the church. She was teaching things that she should not have been teaching that were false. And because of that, Jesus says, I'm going to kill her children, or I'm going to kill the fruit of her ministry. I'm going to destroy her ministry, but I'm going to kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he with searches the hearts and the reins. And I love it. He disciplines the church. He actually is quite brutal in his discipline. Literally, he says, I will bury you, Jezebel. And he says, I will do this because I want all the churches to know that I'm searching their hearts. I'm searching their reins or their kidneys. In the Old Testament, the kidneys, it was a place where life was thought to have been. And so that's why it's referred to as the hearts and the reins. And why does Jesus do this? So that all the churches will know. There'll be no excuses. There's no playing dumb. Because as John has written in his letters, this is going to be sent to all seven churches. And me as a Christian today, you as a Christian today, you're reading about this. You're understanding it. You're learning about the Jesus who judges and cleanses and cares for the church in a supernatural matter. It's important that we know the truth. John eight thirty two, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In this case, free is from the wages of sin, according to your works, which can lead to death. So we see that he is the Lord Jesus who searches the hearts and reins of the churches, because judgment always begins at the house of God. Before God ever judges the, the, the heathen nations, before God ever pronounces final judgment on Israel, he's going to judge the church. And the truth is, if you judge yourself, you'll not be judged. The word here for searches is inquiry. Jesus is investigating our hearts. He's looking at them. He's doing, as we learned in uh, Revelation chapter 1, he's performing an outward observation, an inward examination of the church. He's walking around your church on the outside. He's walking up and down your aisles. He wants to see what each and every one of us, our behavior in the church, are we receiving the truth? Are we rebellious? Do we have a heart? Do we have a hunger for righteousness? Are we worshiping God in these churches? He's doing that. It's called an outward observation and an, an inward investigation. It comes from the Greek word peripathos. Peri meaning around. He's walking around. And pathos, it's a path. It's a well-worn path that Jesus is walking up and down the aisles of your church, examining what's going on because he cares for the church. It's his church. He holds himself responsible to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, For the Lord sees not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Proverbs 4.23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And Jeremiah 17.10, The Lord searches the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. This is why Jesus can give to every one of us according to our works, as it were, in the New Testament. We're not judged by our works, but there are works that we are held accountable for. That is why Jesus gives to you according to your works. He rewards you according to your works. Matthew sixteen twenty seven, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. Thyatira had great works going on, even in the midst of the false teaching of this lady called Jezebel. And it's important that Jesus 
cleanses us, removes cancers from us so that we don't get infected, affected, and we defect away from the kingdom of God because of false doctrines, because of damnable heresies. Revelation twenty two eleven and 12. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. But he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his works shall be. Your works are important to God. They need to be important to you. Revelation chapter 2 verse 24 going on in Thyatira. But unto you, I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine of Jezebel, and which have not known the depth of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you no other burdens. So the Lord, but unto you, who is he speaking to? Remember, in the churches, he always talks to the pastor, the ministry leader. He's a God of order. He's put the pastor in charge of the churches. And when he rebukes us, when he deals with us, he starts with the pastor. And he says unto you, O pastor, and unto the rest in Thyatira, who were not caught up in these false doctrines by Jezebel, I will put no other burden upon you. Verses like these, they tend to get lost. You know, they're overlooked when teaching from the book of Revelation. Actually, since the judgments and the threats pronounced on the sinners in the church don't get preached, it's only natural that these wouldn't either. But once again, note the care to spare the saints that aren't trapped into this compromise at the church at Thyatira. Jesus starts this first by addressing first the pastor, unto you, and apparently while the pastor was not correcting the false doctrine, neither was he condoning it either. Not only was the pastor going to avoid judgment on this, but the rest of the church as well. If you did not embrace this doctrine while you were a member of the church at Thyatira, you were going to be free from the coming burdens that God was going to place on them. Unto you, I say, the word is logos. Jesus is speaking directly to the pastor here, as well as to everyone else. For some unknown reason, this pastor is not to be held accountable here. I don't know why it doesn't say, but he's just saying, hey, everybody, listen to me. The Greek word here for doctrine, he's talking about no other the strange doctrines that she was teaching. The Greek word there is ten didachin, and it means well-packaged information. That's important because it shows Jezebel's teachings weren't just blatant error, but they were well-thought-out, well-constructed, cleverly disguised plans to destroy the church at Thyatira. He goes, to you who have not known the depths of Satan, an interesting phrase here, There is some nasty stuff that the Lord talks about. Remember, Jezebel is calling herself a prophetess. She wasn't speaking for God at all, however. She was speaking for Satan himself. The word for the depth of Satan here, the word for depth is bathos. We get our word bathosphere, English word bathosphere. It's a little ball that goes underneath the ocean, goes to great depth, and it can serve purposes there. It used to depict the depths of the sea or the really deep places. Satan's mastery of deception is evidenced right here. He will reprocess truth. He will modify truth. He will bless ministers who will repackage the truth and make it more amenable. Satan will promote these false teachers. He will promote these prophets. And we in America fall for it every time. Combined with the promotion of extended grace and the message of exorbitant prosperity, we fall right into his trap. We in the church are to know the deep things of God, not the depth of Satan. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the last days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. 
it should be obvious that this is not only true then, but it's true today also. It's prevalent today. It's not just true. Just like in Thyatira, there was false doctrine being promoted by someone that said she was a prophetess. That was a lie. That was false. So too, our church is filled with people that are claiming that they hear from God when they don't hear from God. Some of them are just making mistakes, but some of them are downright wicked and evil. Uh, Jesus would find a way to reveal himself to us in that church at Thyatira in the area of our need. What was their need? Their need was to get free of those false doctrines. He'll do the same thing for us today. You know, he would commend us for what we're doing well, and then he would be identifying the problems of any sin in our churches. He would offer a solution. He would give us the opportunity to repent. He would threaten us if we rejected that solution, if we choose not to repent. And then he would tell us of the reward that he has for us once we listen to him and we repent. All this has to be, though, on the other side of our obedience to what he tells us. Nothing's different today than it was back then. Rick Renner writes, In a Christian world today, there are some spiritual leaders who seek a dangerous truce with the world under the guise of inclusiveness and compromise. This was the sin of Jezebel. Many of these leaders once held strong doctrinal positions. However, over time, they began to shape their beliefs to meld with the changing moral climate of society. And in the process, they produced a gospel message very different from the one which was presented in the Bible. Verse 25, Jesus talking to the people that are remaining that have not been caught up in the lies of Jezebel. He says, but that which you have already, hold fast until I come. Simply meaning the works that you're doing, the love that you share, the patience you exhibit, all of these things, keep them, keep them close, hold fast. Krateo is the Greek word, to seize, to take hold of, to firmly grip. Do not let them slip. It denotes a grip of power and strength to achieve victory over something. We must understand that, like Thyatira, living in a fallen world, status quo just doesn't work. Marilyn Hickey says of Christians that we leak. We need to constantly fill ourselves, feed ourselves on the Word of God, desire the sincere milk of the Word that we would grow. If we aren't aggressively pursuing the things of God, then we're going to lose them. Verse 26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works until the end, to him will I give power over the nations. That's a great promise, but notice, you would think that he says, And he that overcometh and keep my word. He does not say keep my word. He says keep my works. Keep on doing what you're doing. It's important to note that in the midst of such blatant compromise, the idolatry, the fornication, the seduction, the work of God will still go on. But only through people who overcome, no matter how much in error your church may be, no matter how dark the world may look, no matter how evil your government is, the work of God will go on. Soul winning and discipleship are timeless. They are principles for any season, any place, any era. There is no place on the planet the Bible is not welcome. That's how God set it up. Okay, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works, keepeth, the word there is tereo. It describes soldiers who were faithful and committed to their charge, regardless of assaults or attacks they encountered. It depicts a need to stand guard over what has been entrusted to a person, or a careful and a watchful attitude in any situation. That's what Jesus is telling them to do. That's what Jesus is telling us to do. So Jesus gives us two requirements that must be met. If we are to get power over the nations, that's the promise, And he he that overcometh and he that keepeth my works until the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Two requirements. Number one, you've got to overcome. 
anything. In their church, Thyatira, they had to overcome the false doctrine. It may be you have to overcome sin in your church. You may have to overcome a lukewarm leadership team. You may have to overcome people being out of order in your church. You may have to overcome passivity. I mean, it could be anything, but you must overcome that, and then you must keep the works until the end. Once you do those two things, Jesus says to him, will I give power over the nations? Look at the language in those last two verses. Till I come, hold that fast, till I come, and next one, unto the end. And so we're getting ready to wrap this up. There's no stoppage in the work of the kingdom. It's not affected by anything. COVID doesn't affect the work of the kingdom. By offense, by tribulation, none of that affects the work of the kingdom. Suffering doesn't affect the work of the kingdom. There isn't anything that can derail the business of God's kingdom being promoted and lived on the earth. Believe it or not, accept it or not, we're all being tested right now for fitness into the coming earthly reign of Christ. Christians who shy away from confrontation, those who refuse to be a witness in the political arena, will miss out on ruling and reigning with Christ during that time. And, you know, it's because we don't understand the scriptures. Is it our ignorance that's holding us back? Are we simply just too scared and fearful to confront wickedness and accept the responsibility and the tribulation that will come when we do that? You know, if you really knew God, if you really knew Jesus, you would know you don't have to rule and reign alone. Or you don't have to do anything that he asked you for that matter alone. He said he would never leave you. He said he would never forsake you. He said he would send his Holy Spirit of God and he would be with us until the end of the earth. Do we believe him or don't we believe him? Verse 27, and he that overcometh and he that keepeth, he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. Remember that he here is the overcomer and the keeper. Maybe understanding from scriptures like this will help us ease the burden of having to do this stuff. John uh, Walford, W-A-L-V-O-R-D, end-time Bible preacher, he says the word for rule there is, uh, let me get it right, poimani, and it means literally to shepherd. Their rule, the people we are ruling over, the task that we have, we're not going to be ruling as monarchs who are demanding and taxing and forcing. We are going to be shepherds over them. We are being watchful over them. Not simply that assignment of executing judgment, but also that of administering mercy and direction. Isn't that fabulous? Basically, it means that you are going to be a pastor to the nations. Personally, right now, I am not a pastor in the sense that most people understand it, but I am, and I delight in my role as a shepherd. By the way, shepherd isn't a noun. It's a verb. It's an action verb. I feed you the truth at every opportunity. That's what a shepherd does. Basically, it means that I'm going to be keeping charge, protecting, guarding, guiding, leading, interceding for, and blessing the people within my sphere of influence that God brings across my path. The fajitas and the burgers and the ribs and the pizza that I all feed everybody at our Bible studies, that's nice. But it's just symbolic to paint a picture to everyone of what goes on in our Bible studies in my life. Literally, my wife and I, Diane, we are practicing for heaven. What are we going to be doing in the next age? We're going to be doing exactly what we're doing now. This is what we are going to be doing in the future. Feeding and guiding God's children. All of them. Those that love him and those that reject him. 
the rod of iron. This represents the staff of authority. Remember, Jesus says in verse 27, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, he being the overcomer and the keeper. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received them of my Father. So we're ruling and reigning over the people, the saints, the righteous, we're ruling and reigning over the ungodly. This represents the rod of iron, a staff of authority. Jesus wants to give us delegated authority to shepherd other people. We are to direct them in the right way. We are to pull them back in line to bring loving correction to them if needed. That's what Rick Renner, that's how he says it. You know, the world is starving for truth. Matter of fact, I just read something the other day. Intercessors for America, it's a website that we visit, and they're based in Washington, I believe. They may even be a congressional prayer group. I'm not quite certain, but they were talking about the leader says, God, Father, what do you want to do? What are we doing in these last days? Well, how can you be, how can you use us in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation? God says, I'm revealing the truth. I am going to let Americans know the truth. And then I want the church to intercede. There's a remnant. There's a remnant of bold people who are not scared. There's a remnant of bold people in the body of Christ who are unwilling to bow. There's a remnant of people who will pray. They will sacrifice. They will give out of need. They will give out of grace. But there are a bunch of people that I've called that will not turn back from what I've called them to do. I want you to pray that the eyes of the American people are open. The world is starving for the truth and the church has the truth. The church has a muddled understanding of what truth looks like, however. Shepherds like me, like others, like some of us, we operate without a title. We don't have a building. But as we prepare the saints for heaven, as we prepare them for working and discipling and winning souls in the kingdom of God on the earth, as we prepare the world for the judgment that's coming, we prove to God, are we ready, Lord? Are we ready to serve in this next age? Are we ready to rule and reign with you? Not because of anything that we've done, but because we allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in us that which is pleasing in your sight. Do we need more work, Lord? Can he trust us? One of my absolute favorite scriptures, and it's about King David, and I love it, I love it, I love it. Psalm 78, verse 72. So David, he fed them, who? Israel, according to the integrity of his heart. I love that. And he guided them by the skillful use of his hands. Is that not awesome? That's how David ruled so successfully. A, he fed them according to the integrity of his heart. David had a heart that loved the people he was ruling and reigning. David had a heart that loved the people he was serving. David loved Israel. And then it says, and he guided them by the skillful use of his hands. David didn't rule and reign from afar. He wasn't sitting on a throne up in Jerusalem and never came down off the ivory tower. He fought with them. He ate with them. He bled with them. He fled with them. He guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Not only did he have skillful hands, but he had a hands-on approach when he was the king of Israel. David, a great king, a great example. Verse 28, and I will give him the morning star. Remember, he that overcometh, right? I will give him the morning star. And I love this also because the morning star is Jesus. He will give us of himself now and forever. Remember, the sun, S-U-N, is just another star. This is a picture of the brightness of the morning. The light of the rising sun will shatter any darkness that false doctrines and the seduction of Jezebel and those like her would try to bring into the church. The answer is always Jesus. Revelation twenty-two sixteen. 
I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Verse 29, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Basically, this message, as in all the message to the seven churches, are for anybody that has an ear ready to hear. Let me pray for you guys. This is so important. I pray that you fall in love, choose to love the Bible. I pray that God will give you a supernatural hunger for the Word of God, that you would desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you would grow thereby, Father. I pray, Father God, that you would place in them a desire that would not let them go, that they would wake up in the morning, they would read their Bibles, no Bible, no breakfast. I pray, Father God, that you would reveal yourself to them through the Word of God, Father. I pray, Father God, that you would perfect that which concerns them, Father God, that you would meet every need of theirs, Father. I pray, Lord God, that you would perfect that which concerns them in their bodies, in their minds. I pray that you would deliver those that might be depressed, those that are confused in the name of Jesus. I speak life where death would reign. I speak healing where sickness would try to invade. I speak peace, Father God, where fear would attack them, Lord God. These are your children. These are the children of God. Our inheritance is by you, Father God, and we love you in return. We thank you for what you've done for us. We say praise the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ is our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.